You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. What a year it's been, right? There's been so many things that have just become a part of our routine and part of our ritual. And one of the things that I've noticed has become part of my life is a question. Maybe it's a question you found yourself asking. It's this question, are you open? Uh, Most often when I'm uh, going somewhere, or if I have to go pick something up, or if we're going to pick up food, or that kind of thing, we grab our phones and we look at Google Maps, and Google Maps kind of lets us know that this business may have different hours due to COVID. You know, call and check. And so I've probably called more businesses or restaurants or, or organizations than I have ever with this question. Are you open? And then there's the pause, and you hear, yes, we're open. And you think, great, I'll be there soon with a mask and outside and distanced and through the pickup line, right? That question has become such a part of our lives and, and it's interesting to see our responses to it. You know, I think about that not a year ago, because a year ago we were together online in this format too, but maybe a year and a half ago, that if I had told you that, yes, we're open, we're outside behind a school under a covered pavilion, uh, we're wearing masks, we're taking temperatures and we're staying socially distant or we're gathering together online at homes, we're open. You would have said, no, I'm good, thanks. (laughs) That just wasn't the life we lived and life has come so far now that this question of are you open can elicit such an excited response or a response when someone says, no, we're not, or we're closed, or we're doing things different. And we say, I understand, I get it. We're all taking precautions. When I think about that question of, are you open? I think what a great entry into our scripture for this Easter morning. So I want to read with you the scripture here from Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1 through verse 12. And Luke writes, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces towards the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he's been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee. The human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. They remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, but they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb, and he bent over to look inside. He saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. So this morning, I want to invite us to gather together around this Easter story. 
And as I begin to think about this particular one, there's a couple of things that stood out to me this year, and I'd love to share some of those with you. The thing that caught my attention first was that the women go to the tomb expecting it to be closed. Think about those restaurants and spaces and places that we've gone to even still, even a year out in this pandemic, to find them closed. Perhaps they've gone out of business. Perhaps they've had to close up shop or or change in such a dramatic way that they're just not what they were. These women went to the tomb expecting it to be closed, expecting that that's what it would be like. And, And yet their surprise comes when they find it's open. This is so much a part of the Easter story that I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget the surprise and the shock. So I hope we can put ourselves a little bit into the lives and into the minds of those women and understand just how much of a surprise it was to find something they expected to be closed to now be open. And of course, the the men here are the angels, as other translations say, ask them this question, why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has been raised. And I love their response. Their response is immediately to run and to tell the others. And they've got this exciting news to share. It's open. All the other disciples would have felt the same way too, expecting it to be closed, right? And so when the women show back up with this news of it's open, I'm interested in their response. And I wonder if you caught it too as we looked at the scripture. The scripture tells us they don't believe and that the words of the women struck them as nonsense. When this news comes back to them that the tomb is not closed, that the tomb is open and that Jesus wasn't there, their response was that this was nonsense. This was unbelievable. This was not something to believe. This was not true. They're closed The disciples are closed, right? But Peter stands out. Peter often stands out in the scriptures for his responses. Sometimes they're wildly wrong. Sometimes they're wildly right. Of the 11 disciples left, Peter is the one who has this small glimmer, this small piece of him that has to know more, right? Peter is open and he needs to see this for himself. And I think this story, just this little synopsis so far, can give us an example of how our openness to God can open and change our lives. Our openness to God can change our lives. Let's talk more about that. It begins with these disciples who just thought, that's nonsense. And while we may look at them and think, how could they not believe, right? How could they not believe? There's some parts of them that I believe that we can relate to. Because sometimes I'm not open. Sometimes, without even recognizing it or realizing it or doing it intentionally, I am closed off. Sometimes I've closed off my mind. Sometimes I've closed off my life. Sometimes I've closed off Uh, my desire to be around people or to be around other places for, for lots of reasons and not necessarily for bad reasons. 
I have been closed off. Perhaps you know the same thing to be true about yourself. There's seasons when we're open and we're available, and there's times where we're closed. This can be a protective part of just naturally who we are. And so some of the reasons why these disciples are closed, I bet you and I can relate to. The first one that strikes us is that they simply couldn't believe the account of the women. And most likely, one of the reasons they couldn't believe the account of the women was because in that culture in those times, even though these were followers of Jesus, and even though Jesus, especially in in Luke's gospel that we read, did so many things to elevate the role and the status of women in, in the culture, women were not, the testimony of women was not believed to be something that could be trusted or factual. And so when this report comes in, it seems like the men kind of just revert back to their old training and and back to their usual way of operation that says, this testimony, this story just can't be trusted. In a subtle way, what they're saying is, God's not working in you. We can't trust that God would bring this message to us through you. The first Uh, preachers, evangelists, whatever you want to call them, the first people who tell the story of Jesus are women. And these men have a hard time embracing that. We can think for ourselves about the ways in which the world draws lines or the ways in which we tend to exclude people because their voice or their experience is not culturally trusted and we've kind of drawn these, these levels of, of who is authoritative and who is not. And so while this was a first century problem, this is also a current century problem. This question of, of who can we trust with news this life-changing? And so the first thing that they do is just recognize that, that they can't believe, perhaps because of who is bringing the news. The second reason that they might react to this as nonsense is they might be the kind of people who are simply too rational to believe something as otherworldly as someone who they saw dead, they saw buried, they saw a stone rolled in front of a tomb, now has suddenly come back to life and the stone's been rolled away. So they are the kind of people who are rational and perhaps understand that these kind of things just don't happen. People don't just come back from the dead every day, right? But Jesus meets them in that place too. And I think this is such a good reminder that that we don't have to uh, set aside the wisdom and the intellect and and the science and, and the learning that God has given to us in order to believe. We can believe with these things. Later in the gospel stories, uh, a few days after this, all the disciples were still together, and, and there was one disciple there named Thomas. Uh, and Thomas has gotten that bad label of doubting Thomas. And, and Thomas doubted because he was a rational person, like many of us, who said, these things just don't happen. And he said to, he said to the, his, the disciples and his friends, look, unless I see for myself with my own eyes, unless I touch his hands and feel the nail holes, and unless I see his side that they pierced with a spear, I just can't believe. Thomas is someone who needs empirical evidence. Any of us like that? And yet Jesus shows up. And what does he do? He says to Thomas, touch my hands. Touch my side. 
And then Thomas is able to see and believe. And, and so one of the reasons the disciples can't believe is because they have a, a rational type mind that just can't get around these kinds of otherworldly things. But the good news so far that's even peeking through is that Jesus meets us in those places. A third reason, and my hunch is this is one that many of us will probably relate to, that these disciples might have struggled to believe, is that sometimes we are just too busy. Sometimes we have too much going on, we have a lot going on, to be a part of a community of faith and belief. Think about it. The disciples were closed off. They were not available. They were not open to something different. They had other things or other worries and other concerns going on. I think our, in our day-to-day life, we get hurried, we get busy, and it can be hard for us to slow down and to come alongside someone else or something that is new and different. Quite simply, we choose who and what we're going to be open to. We choose what things will be a priority in our life. And so we open ourselves up to those priorities and we close ourselves off to other priorities. And while that may sound like a bad thing, part of that is just self-preservation. We can only be open to so many things at one time. We can only have so many priorities. If everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. We can only stretch ourselves so many different ways. And so we must, out of self-preservation and protection and insanity, allow a certain finite amount of things that we are open to, that we are participants in, that we are part of, and we simply must close off to other things. There are a lot of things I would love to do well and love to invest the time into, but in order to do that, I would have to take other things off of my priority list. What things are on your priority list? I'm not saying that to to challenge those, but simply for you to recognize that In order to say yes to something, we have to say no to something else. And the disciples in this moment have said no to this testimony of these women because in their mind, they're just consumed with what in the world do we do next? We've followed this guy for three years. Uh, He has been killed. If he's been killed, then we're probably next. They have got their own set of priorities and self-preservations that they are worried about. And so the question I want us to circle back to this Easter is, are we open? Are you open? You know, if, if, I, uh, if I looked you up on Google Maps, right, if you were a place on a map, would it say this, is, this person is open or this person is closed? Uh, think about it this way. I, I had a chance to chat with someone recently, and um, it's someone that I know kind of from the community here and um, from the larger kind of Horizon West community, and they reached out to me and said, can we grab coffee at some point in time? And I said, sure. Can we do it outside? I'll look for a place that's open, you know? Um, and so we did. We set a time and we got together for coffee and uh, we sat distanced apart and um, reconnected and chatted. And then she asked a question that kind of got me thinking. Because this person, let me kind of give you a little bit of background. They, they own a business and they are a follower of Jesus, but this isn't necessarily what you would call a Christian business, right? It's, it's a regular business where they, they serve the public and they offer a service that the public uh, uses and is a part of. And one of the things that they've noticed is that each day that person begins their prayer, their, their day at work with a prayer saying, Lord, make me available and open to the people 
who need someone to listen, someone to hear them, someone to just process with them. Each day, this person begins their workday with a prayer of openness. Lord, however you want to use me, please do. Now, you might expect that myself as a Christian business, like right, a Christian business, we're a church. The idea that we might expect that people would come in and want to talk about spiritual things and talk about faith and talk about Jesus and ask questions. This person's business doesn't set themselves up in that way. So you wouldn't expect people to come in and want to talk about spiritual things. But the challenge that she's facing is that people are coming in and they're, they're asking spiritual questions and they're wanting to know about Jesus and they're wanting to know how they can process and deal with these things in their life. And she's saying, I don't have all the answers for them. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a trained theologian. I'm a follower of Jesus, yes, but I don't have the answers they need. And there was one question in particular that someone had asked that she just really was struggling with and wanted to know my response to. And, and so we talked through that. But what really struck me about this person was they were experiencing God doing things in their life and in the lives of people around them because they were opening themselves to God. That perhaps simple-seeming prayer or simple-seeming process at the beginning of the day that says, Lord, I am open. If I can be of help to someone else today, please let me do so. Helps them and us to see others. So not only will God bring people into our lives, but God will also help us to see people and to engage with them. And perhaps it's in the, the line at the grocery store and, and recognizing that the cashier just seems hurried or busy or, or, or flustered, right? We, we've learned over the last year that it's important to wear masks, but it's hard to wear masks. And, and that, that can become a frustrating thing. And when we're open, we're less aware of the things that we need and more aware of what others are going through. So my encouragement for this person is that Yes, being open will cause more challenges, right? For the women who went to the tomb, their openness to God and to see something put them in a difficult position with the other disciples who didn't believe them. Our openness to God can put us in, in more challenging situations, but what happens at the same time is that God is present with us. And so my encouragement to her was, was just a reminder that you are on the front lines of life. And, and because of what you do in the business that you have, you have a chance to interact with more people who may not yet know Jesus or may know something of faith than I do. Most of the folks in my circle tend to already know a lot about faith and are already followers of Jesus. And I, and I give thanks for that and I'm grateful. But you all, you have a chance in your day-to-day -to, -day to interact with people who might need some hope and someone else to listen to them. There's this quote um, from a person named J.D. who sings in the band Hillsong United, and he says this, God is looking for your availability more than your ability. And I think many of us don't feel we have the ability to offer Christ to the world, to share the good news. But the good news for me is that God isn't looking for our ability. God doesn't care if we have the right degrees or the right training or if we know the right things, God is looking for us to be available. And when we make ourselves available, when we say, I'm open to what you want to do, Lord, then God can begin to work with us.
So I want to invite you to cultivate a deeper sense of openness in your own life, to be like those women who open themselves up. Because in doing so, what we do is we offer ourselves for the world. And maybe that will take a couple of forms. Maybe, uh, like the women, you are someone who God is calling to be open and to share the good news with someone else. But maybe you're more like Peter. And you are someone who is perhaps surrounded by others who maybe don't believe or don't see the world as you do. And you are saying, but what if? And you're opening up a little glimmer just a little bit more. God can work with that. God will work with that. Peter was able to run to the tomb and to see for himself. Don't ever discount being open to God. Even if it's not what others around you are doing, even if it's not popular, even if it's not really encouraged, open yourself up to God and be amazed at what will happen next. But I want to also remind us that this will take us shifting our priorities. Remember, things in our life, we can't necessarily open ourselves up to everything at all times. One of the things that I have found essential, not just because I'm a pastor, is being part of a church community. And at no time in my life has that been more important than this last year. This last year, I've been so thankful to be part of a church community, part of this church community, because I have witnessed us caring for one another in tremendous ways. I have witnessed you all who are part of our church caring for one another, caring for our community, and sometimes literally holding one another up in prayer, in support, sending arrangements, checking in on people. And so for me, prioritizing being part of a church community has been something that has changed my life, and perhaps yours too. But being open to that and, and setting aside time for, for being a part of a Sunday morning gathering or connecting with other followers of Jesus means that I had to unprioritize some other things that perhaps we could do on a Sunday morning, things that I could be involved in. And so what I want to say to us this morning is that it's important for us to pause and to ask ourselves, what are the most important things? Where am I giving my time and my energy? And how can I open myself up to more of what God wants to do in and through me? So I hope that as we've gathered together this morning that you can sense what God wants to do in your life. That you can begin to sense that God has a purpose for you. Not just to bring hope for you, but to use you as a conduit of good news for others. Because all of us are in need of grace. All of us are in need of hope. What a journey it's been for us since last Easter. For reference, this was everyone's kind of pivot point. This was really one of the first services that we had done in an online format like this last year. We worshiped online only, and I think we can relate to the story of the tomb being open in a new way this year. Because having spent a year in the cave of the pandemic and, and all the things that we've seen and experienced, we were living in a time of darkness and deep despair. And we are just now beginning to walk out of the tomb, to walk back into life. We have lost a lot. We've lost loved ones and jobs and routines and hugging and normalcy. And our journey of resurrection out of the tomb isn't something that we can accomplish in one day as it, 
as it was in the Easter story. Our journey from, from the tomb back into life, back into society, it's going to take steps, one step after another, a process, a timeline. I, I wish it was as easy as like a business flipping its sign from closed to open. But you and I know that it's going to take a lot more work and there's a lot of deep work that needs to be done about how do we re-enter society after this season? How do we do that in a way that respects the different places people come from, their comfort level with reopening? And so what I'm saying is that the world needs you and I to be open to what God wants to do because God wants to use us to help society in this transition time. So as we open ourselves up to others, as Mary and Joanna and the other Mary did, as Peter did, we get to be the receivers and the givers of good news. So I want to simply encourage you with a basic practice that you can do. Each day as you begin, at work, at home, whether you log in online or whether you go to a place to work, whether you sit down at a desk for school or sit down at a computer for school, whatever that beginning of the day looks like, as you settle into your chair, as you begin your day, before you open email or check Facebook or check Instagram or do any of those kinds of things or tasks, just begin with a prayer. Lord, help me to be open today. If there is someone that I can be a blessing to, if there is someone who needs a word of encouragement, help me to see them. Put them in my path. I don't have the words, I don't know what to say, but I'm open. Amen. I mean, you could do that in, in less than 30 seconds, and you would be amazed at the ways in which God can begin to use that. So I want to invite us into a time of prayer this morning, and uh, I'll pray for us, and then I want to invite you to join with me in the Lord's Prayer. The words will be on the screen here, um, and then we'll uh, shift gears into communion. God with us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Easter. We know of the bunnies and we know of the Easter eggs, but Lord, never let us lose sight of the life-changing events that happened that first Easter and how you can still change our life today. So Lord, whether this is the first time the news has made sense and the first time we're opening ourselves up to you and beginning those steps of belief that you are the Lord, the risen Savior. Would you meet us in that place? And for all those this morning who are trying to find ways to, in their life, flip that sign from closed to open, would you help us to open ourselves up to more of you, to make being with you and your community a priority in our life? Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.